1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: And a good morning to one and all. Going to take you right up until 1 o'clock this afternoon. We'll continue to get you ready for Game 1, Golden State Warriors. And the winner, the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. All the action can be heard right here on 95.7 The Game. Tip will be on Wednesday, the day. The big question now, will it be Dallas, will it be Phoenix, will it be in Phoenix, or will it be here at Chase for Game 1 against the Dallas Mavericks? I am joined by my man, Evan Giddings, the play-by-play voice of the IFL. That would be the Indoor Football League, the Bay Area Panthers. Evan, what's going on, man? It is so good to have you alongside this morning.
3: Well, I appreciate you having me with you, Dan. This is the first time I get to crack the mic. I'm glad it is with you. I appreciate the introduction right there. Of course, you can... Catch all Barrier Panthers action live on 95-7 the game. But we're here to talk about what you just discussed. The NBA playoffs, the Warriors are moving on, and the question now is who they are going to be facing on Wednesday, whether it be Phoenix or Dallas. It's an exciting time for sports in the Bay Area with the Giants getting rolling. The Warriors, obviously, in the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2019. I'm happy to be on the air with you, man.
2: Let's do this. All right, so. We talked about the Suns and the Mavs. That'll tip at 5:30 this afternoon. The early game will be the Bucks and the Celtics. They go at 12:30 to decide who is going to meet Miami. Suns Mavericks matchups are everything right now, right? We Just got done with Memphis, and Memphis, I've said, not proclaimed. I was on the air yesterday, and I said that's about as difficult as it's going to get. In fact, it is the most difficult matchup I think on paper for the Golden State Warriors going forward. I don't think anybody's going to pose, at least when you think about the athleticism, the grit, the defense, and what it is that Memphis can do. They're now in the rearview mirror, but thankfully, because I don't think Phoenix, as good as they are, the best record in the NBA this year, as well as Dallas, as we relegate it to the Western Conference, poses as many problems like that of Memphis. But Evan Giddings, Suns and the Mavericks, ideally, if you're the Golden State Warriors, who do you want to face?
3: I think you want to face Dallas, and the reason being they're Kind of a mirror image of what Memphis was prior to Jaw going down. They are in a team based around one individual superstar like talent or soon to be in Luka Doncic. And so you have a team there that kind of mirrors what you've already had to go through in order to get to this point. I also think there's a reason why Phoenix won 60 plus games this year. They were the best team on the road in the NBA. They are a team that is the most complete from the Western Conference speaking. And so that's the team that gives you the most problems. They have the most ways to beat you. Dallas, it's kind of straightforward. If you can try and bottle up Luka, albeit a difficult task, you're probably going to be moving on. So I'd go with Dallas as my favorable matchup for the Warriors, even though Phoenix right now has kind of looked a little bit fragile, especially being pushed to seven games.
2: Yeah, I think when you talk about Phoenix and the fragility that you just touched on, CP3 usually blows a tire about this time of the year. I don't wish injuries on anybody. But CP3 has not been the same guy as he was in the early games of this series, and he's not as effective as he was in the first round, especially when it comes to the fourth quarter. And CP3 is 37 years of age. And maybe it's Devin Booker's team right now, but we know how significant he is to that squad. He is aging with every game. They might be a little vulnerable. Dallas scares me because much like that of – of Memphis, they're sort of stupid and young. They have no idea what it is that they're doing or and or should they be here and just exactly what it is that they're playing for. And that I'm saying that in a complimentary sense. And Luka, as good as Jokic was and as good as Ja was, Luka scares me even more simply because yeah. he can do so. And he's not the MVP. I get it. And that supporting cast is, is just so dangerous. I, I don't want to see Dallas. I, I just don't want to. And you know why? It's because Again, if Dallas beats Phoenix, it means that – you know what that signifies if they get to the Western Conference Finals? Tell me. That means they're catching – they're hitting the tape full stride. I, I, I referenced the Kentucky Derby. You
3: watched the Derby, of? I did. Best two and a half minutes in sports.
2: In a, a long shot, 80-1, to 80-1. I wanted to bet this thing. The guy came on to the – I wanted to play the long shot in the Kentucky Derby. Gotta have a buddy who said, Hey, listen, the front runners are gonna get out, they're gonna set a crazy pace. That's gonna open the door for those horses in the back. Cause the the front runners in this year's Kentucky Derby are essentially gonna outpace each other and they're they're gonna exhaust one another, which is gonna set the stage for somebody like that of a long shot. And I said, All right, who's who's got the biggest odds? At the time it was 35 to 1, somebody was going off. The only reason this 80 to 1 shot got in there is because he was a late scratch. L- literally late in the afternoon, they said, Hey, you want to run the Kentucky Derby? We got an opening. I didn't even see him on the board. Anyways, it's about who's on the rail, man. Who's that long shot that's catching wind right now? I don't care what you did in the beginning of the season and or in the regular season. Phoenix has been driving that pace car. Watch out for who's playing their best basketball right now. And as much as we discount Dallas because they don't have the name recognition like that of Phoenix, if they take care of Phoenix today, I don't want to do – I don't want anything to do with him because that's the team right now that is going full tilt at the most important juncture of the campaign. That's the way I see it. But to your point, I get it. Phoenix is the complete team, and they've been good throughout.
3: Well, and and like you were saying, Dallas is the team where they're kind of young, dumb. They don't really know that they shouldn't be here in this moment. And also a little bit to your point about the team that's caught the most fire as of late – I don't have their exact record, but Dallas, very similar to how the Boston Celtics caught fire towards the the last half of the season, Dallas was probably one of the best, if not the best teams in the second half in the NBA, and Luka Doncic was playing like an MVP down the stretch of the regular season. So it's not like they don't come in with momentum. I think the only thing that derailed that was the fact that he got hurt uh, a game or two before the end of the regular season, so he had to wait a little bit before coming back against the Jazz. But you're totally right, like they are not by any means a pushover. It's it is. They, they are a quintessential three and D team. And they kind of give, they give me Memphis, Memphis vibes, but with more consistency, maybe a little less grit, a little less dog in them than the Memphis team. But they have a lot of players that can hit threes that can D you up on the perimeter that are not afraid to bang down low. They are able to go small. They can go big when they need to. They have a little more versatility on the perimeter and, the one thing that does scare me to your point, anytime you have the best player in a playoff series, you have a chance. And I know Warriors fans don't want to hear this, but with the way that Steph Curry's been shooting the ball during these playoffs, if you put him and Luka side-by-side right now, Luka Doncic is playing better basketball. Oh, there's no mm-hmm. doubt. There's no doubt about that. And so when you roll into the Western Conference Finals, granted, Doncic hasn't been there before. I believe this is only the first time he's been out of the first round in his career, but he doesn't know that. He's going to be walking into Chase Center thinking, I own this place just like I've owned every single basketball court that I've stepped on since the time that I was 12 or whenever he started playing professionally. So Doncic is going to be the best player in that series. I don't know if Phoenix has a player that can be the best player in a Western Conference Finals against the Warriors.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. The Dallas Mavericks against the Golden State Warriors this year, Warriors were 1-2 and two. against Phoenix. Of course, they split the four games going 2-2. Two and two. Let's just talk about the Suns for a moment. By the way, Tip is coming up at 1230. They'll do that from Phoenix. So the Suns, I would think, got to be the odds-on favorite. I don't know what the percentage is, but I think the majority of the people around the country expect the Phoenix Suns to handle Dallas today. And if that's the case, and let's just suppose that it's the Phoenix Suns that the Warriors will take take on in in the Western Conference Finals in Game 1, which means obviously they will start things in the Valley of the Sun. I mean, here's a team that has no weaknesses. They got no holes. And they're big. But it's a team that that the Warriors are, are, are familiar with. And I think it's the Warriors that that know how to match up with this team. Now, listen, ball's got to bounce your way. You've got to shoot it well. But, but there's a level of confidence that they can beat Phoenix. I hearken back. Remember this, Ev, at the end of the season when they were, they were playing so poorly and the only glimmer of hope was in a loss. They got beat by Phoenix. And everybody, I remember we were doing shows, we were talking about no moral victories, no moral victories. But everybody said that's the best they played in months. Yeah. And it was in a loss against Phoenix. Following that loss, Ev, they ran the table and didn't lose for the remainder of the regular season and kept that going into the postseason. I think they turned a corner against Phoenix. I think it's a better matchup for them than that of Dallas. But with that being said, you know Phoenix is good. Here's the question that I wanted to start things here this morning, and that is about the bigs. The Warriors with 70 rebounds ridiculous what they did against Memphis. Do they need a big? Is it just something that, is that fodder for us? I mean, is this a team, if you can rebound the basketball and control the offensive glass, yeah, eventually you will, right? James Weissman, whoever they get in the offseason. But as as we live in the here and now, are we making more out of this than we need to? Do they necessarily need that big guy if you can dominate the paint and or the glass the way they did against Memphis?
3: You would love to have a big, but the reality is you don't. Especially if... Someone like Otter Porter Jr. is going to be out for an extended period of time. Hopefully, he's back just with the foot soreness, and he's able to use this extra couple of days of rest to get right because they were absolutely going to need him off the bench. They, they played an eight-man rotation in Game 6. crazy, And two of those guys were Damian – or Damian Lee was one of them. So, Jordan Poole is essentially the sixth man in the rotation there playing 25-plus minutes. They need Porter in this series because, to your point about – Being big, being small, like they don't have an option. They are, they only are able to play kind of a certain type of basketball, and the out, the the rebound. They're doubling down on small because they got no options. They have to, and and I don't think that that necessarily hurts them though. Like they can still beat Phoenix or Dallas by going small because they got Draymond Green, who essentially, in in my opinion, acts and plays the way a seven foot player would. So he can take a big from another team off the board defensively. The issue to me is on the outside. And both of these teams in Dallas, as well as Phoenix, have different bodies to throw at you, whether it be the Jay Crowders, the McHale Bridges, the Dorian Finney-Smiths. I mean, they have guys on the outside that can contest shots. And we saw what happened when the Warriors didn't shoot the ball well. They were able to eke out and squeak out a couple of wins against Memphis, able to take care of Denver not shooting the ball well. But the deeper you go in the playoffs, the less shots you hit consistently. Like To me, the tell for the Warriors and for a lot of teams in the postseason, when those open threes aren't going in, what is your response? Mm. And for Memphis, I think we saw a lot of those missed threes turn into long rebounds that probably helped them out rebound. Memphis in that series that allowed Kevon Looney to not have to be banging down inside as much. He could grab a couple of those long rebounds. Ended up having 22 of them, but to me, it's it's a matter of finding that jumper when you need it. Because to this point, the Warriors, I think in, in the Memphis series, out of the six games, they probably shot well twice. I mean, they, they shot you know 50 plus percent from the field, around 40 percent from three, two or three times maybe. But you got to shoot it well four to five times to beat one of these teams in the Western Conference Finals. That's what I'm looking for. Can you rein it in the way you've been reining it in the entire season from downtown? Here's
2: the thing, though, Ev. If you're so reliant on jump shooting and shooting it behind the stripe, which is essentially where they live with that three-guard lineup, there's going to be nights when you're off. And we know how contagious shooting can be, both good and bad. When you're not shooting it well from the outside... What's the other What's the other resource they have of scoring buckets
3: consistently offensively? So, I, I'm going to go back to the jump shot here. But when you when you're making jumpers, especially early, it opens the entire floor up. And I think we saw them make the adjustment clearly between the beatdown on Beale Street that was Game Five and then Game Six at home against Memphis. It wasn't as it. I mean, they they shot it well to begin against Memphis in, in Game Five before it got out of hand. But in Game 6, you saw them do a couple of things. And one was, I mean, they just looked more comfortable. Like, they looked locked in. And that was something that, you know, it it worries me a little bit. Because the Warriors, they kind of take plays off. Like, they'll take possessions off sometimes. And that's where they get a little bit lackadaisical with the ball. And you can do that, you know, 20% of the time against a team like Memphis and maybe come out with a win but down the stretch against teams that have known and bona fide closers, I mean, whether Chris Paul is at his best or not, I think you can trust him with the ball in the fourth quarter. So the Warriors are going to have to find a way to get into these close situations to keep it within striking distance, and it comes down to the easy baskets and specifically not turning over the oh, ball because when when you, when you g- I mean you know when you give a team an extra twenty possessions in a game. The odds that you're going to win become minuscule. You can't give the you can't give opportunities away because even if you're not shooting well, that's an op- that's a, a chance where you just take the ball out of your own hands.
2: We're going to get to the turnovers, and I don't want to rain on what is a remarkable story going to the Western Conference Finals for the sixth time in the last eight years. We've been basking in that glow, but listen, the turnovers are something that that has to be addressed because this thing is rinse and repeat consistently they talk about how they got to stop turnovers after every loss and yet they go out and they play the exact same style of basketball we'll continue to talk about turnovers but i just wanted to get back this is my point ev and i'm sort of on an island with this that the warriors when they're not shooting it well from outside they don't have rim pressure. And somebody has got to get to the rack consistently. Somebody's got to get you buckets another way. I I, I want to make this declaration. And I say declaration because I stay away from that hot take crap. I don't, I don't ever want to be known as somebody who's giving you a hot take. No, boy. All right? I think Steph Curry at this juncture of his career is better at the mid-range and going to the hoop. He can still incorporate the three. I don't think that dude lives here anymore. Wow. And, and this idea that... Steph is going to warm it up, and, you know, he's been under 40%, but he'll get get back. He'll get back to being Steph. Yeah, he can still, you know, he can still get into a flurry. I think Steph is most effective right now at this stage in his career getting to the rim where he finishes and also that mid-range. And then opportunity provides itself. Go ahead and step out and stroke from three. But this idea that everything has got to be from beyond it just, it, it's so one-dimensional that I think you need somebody that's going to put pressure on the rink. I think it's Steph. I think Poole can do that. And I'll get into Jonathan Kaminga. It's a little early in the show, but JK is coming up. What are your thoughts on that?
3: No, it's interesting you say that. I want to throw this back at you because I, I do believe that Curry still has some of those supernova three-point shooting games left in them. They're, they just come fewer and far between. But to me... I mean, he's 34 years old. Like, this is a guy that when he does go to the rack, it's it's not to me that he doesn't finish because he isn't as good anymore. Like, he's just he just gets banged up. Like, that takes a toll on you when you take it inside. The mid-range is, is a little interesting. I would like to see him at least take a few more of those shots because then you at least demand the defense to come out. You might have an opening underneath for that dunker spot. But for Curry, the only reason I don't want to see him attack the rack relentlessly is because I I know what that's going to do to him. And the Warriors in each of their first two series, granted this has happened for a couple of other teams as well, but they have not necessarily upped their game the deeper they have gotten into series. Like I don't think they've necessarily played better from game one to game five in the in the Denver series and then game one to game six in Memphis. Like they were worn down. And so to me, some of that comes from Stephen Curry trying too hard to take it inside. And I'm not saying he needs to settle on the outside and just bomb threes. But to me, that that look at the rim that you're talking about, that you want, that we all want, those easy baskets, to me, that's got to come from Jordan Poole. And I look at him because if there's one guy on the Warriors that I would want to see go one-on-one, I know everyone talks about the Steph Curry high pick and roll, and we just got to put him in a pick and roll and let him go to work. I, I think those days are behind him. Jordan Poole is the guy that mm. I trust to get around anyone. And when he comes off the bench, I know he didn't shoot it well in game six. He was only 4, 15, and 24 minutes. But when he gets going to the rack, he opens up everything else for the shooters on the floor. He allows Curry to come off of picks to shoot on the run, to have a little more space to operate up top. He allow he allows Klay Thompson to be that catch-and-shoot game six fiend that we saw earlier this week against Memphis at Chase Center. So to me, it's all about Poole trying to penetrate rather than Curry trying to do everything himself because they're going to need him down the stretch, similar to how Chris Paul saves himself for the end of games because he has to because he's a ticking time bomb when it comes to injuries. Not that Curry's the same guy. He's much more durable, but I think they need him down the stretch of games, and if he tries to take it inside, man, he's just going to get hammered.
2: Well, you're so right about Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is such the X factor when you're talking about the Golden State Warriors going forward. You want windows extended. You want to get back to an NBA championship. This kid has got to be Jordan Poole as he was in games one through three in that series against Denver and in the first two games in the series against Memphis. They cannot afford to have him disappear. And in both series, after the first three games against Denver, obviously – The Nuggets got together in a room and they said, enough. This kid is torching us. What do we got to do? Let's bang him up. Let's see what he's made of. Let's test his metal. Let's get physical with him. And I think Memphis did the same to a certain degree. And it worked because he went away. And he wasn't nearly as aggressive. But I think to your point, man, yes. I mean, there were fourth quarters where he would start the fourth and he would carry that team. And you weren't even thinking about Steph. Steph was on the bench getting his minutes. That's how this is going to work, Ev. You can't be – this isn't 2016. This isn't 2015. You cannot roll Steph and Clay and Draymond and say, "Uh, you guys are on the wrong side of 30, but just go back in the time machine and win us another NBA title. We're already at the Western Conference Finals. Let's go. No. It's much like that of San Antonio. If you want to stay relevant, there's got to be the infusion of a Kawhi Leonard. There's got to be the infusion of this this youth. And I think that that shot in the butt – is Jordan Poole, but Jordan Poole cannot afford to go away as he did in the second half of the last games of that series against Memphis, as he did against Denver. But to your point, man, I think that that guy has got a ball, but he's got to be consistent throughout.
3: I agree, and I think that, you know, we're, we're going to look at the Western Conference Finals and who is going to – I believe this will be the first year they have the MVP award for the Western Conference Finals. It'll be the, the Magic Johnson Award in the West, the Larry Bird Award in the East – I think Stephen Curry can certainly still be the Western Conference Finals MVP, and they may need him to be to win the series. The question I have for for you, Dan, as well as listeners out there, is what makes you think that Stephen Curry is going to be a, a Western Conference Finals MVP four out of seven games? Because he's got to be that guy for over 50% of the series— You need Jordan Poole to play well for 50% of the series. I think what we learned from the first two rounds in this playoffs is that when the Warriors are clicking, everyone is right. The offense is, I mean, it's perfect. They're not turning over the basketball as much. They're moving. The passes are crisp. They're getting back on defense. The ball's going in, so the other team's got to take it out from under the hoop. They can't get in transition. But when it's not going right, I mean, it's just a litany of issues that you can go down, and it all seems to be kind of like a domino effect, both positive and negative for Golden State. So I'm curious, it, it, do you think that Stephen Curry can be that dude for four games in a seven-game series? Because he's going to have to do it not once, but twice. The Warriors are halfway home to the ultimate goal. And I'm curious to see if the chef has anything left in his bag.
2: I don't, that's my point, is that I, I really don't care about MVPs. I don't spend a lot of time on that, on that stuff. But if you have Jordan Poole, then the pressure isn't on Steph, take us home. Steph, where are we going? Take us to the promise line. Can you can you light it up for 45? Can you be MVP-esque? That's not sustainable. You have to alleviate some of that pressure on somebody else. And I think it's this kid, Jordan Poole. But to answer your question, Steph, will maybe he'll have bad games. Maybe he'll have bad shooting games. But the one thing about that guy is that as he proved in game six that when it's time when in time as they like to say and in the fourth quarter and he comes up with 18 points he knows how to get it done that that's the difference between somebody who has the experience and the dna of a winner who may not shoot it well for three quarters but when it comes to the most important time and or crunch time you know where steph and steph rears his head and says all right it's time let's go you know this this is a close game i'll i'll, I'll take care of things but i think you know, I don't know who's going to win an MVP, maybe, but I think that for the Warriors, more importantly, to be relevant and to get back to the NBA Finals, again, I harken back to Jordan Poole, my man. Jordan Poole, come back <laughs> wherever you disappeared to the last couple of games. I know a lot of that's attributed to Memphis. Don't want to diminish to what they do defensively, but he has got to be that aggressive guy. And he's got to get his points. He's got to be a significant contributor if this team is going to be relevant again.
3: And, and the question was less about the actual award itself, although I know fans love to do that type of stuff. It was more so, who uh, can he be the best player on the court for four of the seven games? Because I think when the Warriors are at their best, Stephen Curry is at his. But I do think Poole can help get him there. Yeah. Because when Poole is moving, when Poole is shooting – and dazzling with the I mean his his well let me, let me, let me ask incredible. you this Ev when they
2: when they took care of Dallas in the first two games of the series who was the best player on the floor it was Jordan Poole Jordan Poole was ridiculous Memphis, uh,
3: Memphis or, or De- did I say Denver yeah. uh, da- I say? you said Dallas I said
2: De- Denver I'm Denver. sorry gotcha yeah thanks my, my man Brian just reminded me three times in my ear. all right I screwed up Brian what do you need from me man uh how He's are already, you this buddy. morning
3: Brian what's up brother Brian's oh, man. I'm fantastic.
2: All right, my man. He—he, he, <laughs> I, I think he spent the night sleeping on the couch out in the studio. Is that right? He was working his butt off. Hey, but getting back to that Denver series, the first two games of the series, Jordan Poole, that was his coming out party. Remember? The whole country's like, holy Christmas. Who's yep. this kid? And the, and the Warriors blew out Denver. We've seen it. It can happen. I don't mind Steph taking a couple of nights off. And again, Jordan Poole can be the best player on that floor. When you're talking about the 2022 Golden State Warriors,
3: it does not have to be Steph Curry. I, I see. I, I tend to push back on that a little bit, only because Jordan Poole has never been here before. Like there are players that. By the way,
2: this is our first show, so relegate the pushing
3: back on Dan Avon. <laughs> you got like three left, but go ahead. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and push for four. That's what I'm gonna try and do here because. Appreciate that, Stoney. No, because Jordan Poole can absolutely be the best player on the floor, but Curry, to me, needs to be the best player in the series. And and I know we're up against it here, but I would love to hear what fans think about it, whether they think that Jordan Poole can help Stephen Curry get to his best or whether – Curry just sometimes need to take take a back seat to what Jordan Poole is doing because, like he said against Denver, he was absolutely electric.
2: It's got to be collective. I think it's got to be, Steph, do your thing. If Jordan Poole's drawn a double, we're opening doors for you. It's got to be Clay maybe one night. But it's got – if that three-guard lineup and then work in all the other sort of peripheral parts, whether that's Kevon Looney rebounding the basketball, it's got to be this collective, more now than ever before – And I don't know that it can be the Steph show if you're going to get back to the NBA Finals. You've got to get to a break. It's Evan Giddings. It's Dan DeVone. We're hitting the 930 hour, taking you right up until 1 o'clock. We're going to get you ready for the Golden State Warriors and the winners of Phoenix and Dallas. More talk on the Warriors and prepping you for the Western Conference Finals. that gets underway on Wednesday, all here on 95.7 The Game.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
4: Over to Poole. Poole fakes. Drives by
3: Adams. Puts on the brakes. Finds Clay up top. Fades left. Chest pass Wiggins. He'll fire away. Got it! Left wing three by Wiggins. The Warriors work their way around the horn to get that one. And who started it? Looney. Offensive rebound.
2: Now back to ninety-five-seven, the game. Andrew Wiggins started slow, but he came on so so strong in that second half, especially in the fourth quarter. We're going to get into some of the the unforgotten man, the forgotten man, I should say, when it comes to Andrew Wiggins and his the guys. To me, he was MVPs throughout this entire series. But I, I, first of all, before we do that, I just want to get back to your day yesterday. You might if we talk a little bit uh where were you Bay Meadows?
3: I was at Golden Gate Field. Golden Gate Fields. Yeah.
2: Now, how'd you do with the ponies?
3: Uh not too well, Dan, not going to lie to you. I uh, learned a lot about about horse gambling. Uh, I did not realize and and I don't know if a lot of people out here know this, but when you're betting on the ponies, you don't actually lock in your odds when you place the bet. So me and my friends were getting in the early, you know, usually about 20 25 minutes between races. So the first race we're setting up there is about one fifteen. We get in twelve forty five. Like okay, you know, we'll, we'll do our research, pick out our our horse. State Forest was the first guy we were leaning. He was fifteen to one odds when we came in. I like that guy. We're gonna lock it in. Then we get to post. Granted, I had had a couple pops, so time was flying. But <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my at my horse and it's four to one at post. And I'm thinking, what what happened here? So I had no clue that you don't actually get those odds originally when you place your bet you actually have to wait till the final race and I mean there's some sharks coming in at the last minute like the last the final 60 seconds might be more exhilarating for people placing down bets than the horses racing themselves
2: yeah <laughs> you know what happens oftentimes is because there's a lot of people like yourself that the money is it, there's it's so volatile there's so there's such fluctuation in the money in other words it, the odds can come off at 15 to one but if there's people like you that are like you know what that's eh, a long shot. Don't know a lot about this horse. Let's go with them. That'll shift the odds, right? If there, there's a lot of money going the other way, then the odds will go will will come down. Obviously, so you, you got to be careful about that sort of thing. Young man, though, you know, I feel as though I've got this. Uh, here's a word for you. Talk to me. It's it's uh, and I just forgot. It. It's uh, avuncular. Avuncular. I have a, an avuncular relationship with my man Ev. It's it's uncle like like this this (laughs) kid is up and coming. The name is Evan Giddings. You want to catch him? He's doing play by play right now for the IFL and the Barrier Panthers. But just keep an eye on this guy's career because he's shooting up like a rocket. But I love to give him him pointers. But when it comes to to you going to the track, let's just relegate that to maybe once I don't know once a once a month, once a week. I don't want to see you there in five years in the middle of the afternoon, like four days out of the week. All right, you need to like move on. Because don't get stuck in that place. Nothing against the degenerates that hang out there throughout the entire week. I just (laughs) have, we got bigger
3: plans for you. No, it did look like a little bit of a senior citizen club. I'm not going to lie there, but I will say... I do have. I I got to admit this to you, Dan. I do have a bit of an addictive personality. (laughs) So this is why (laughs) I try to limit myself to just the month of March. That is when that I really start to throw things down. But I had a buddy come in yesterday. we're gonna go out see some horses, bet on the you know. You go down to the the paddock and and oh yeah 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 yeah. It's good.
2: It's where you got to look at the horse, talk to the horse, and just get the temperament of the horse, and then you bet accordingly.
3: Yep. Grab a little liquid courage and be on your way. That's right.
2: All right, let's get back to the Golden State Warriors. They're going to take on the winners of Dallas and Phoenix. That will tip later this afternoon. Game one, once again, will be played on Wednesday. Whether it's here or whether it's in Phoenix will be decided, as I as I mentioned, following the conclusion of those two. Uh, but let's open up the phone lines. 888 Just curious where you're at. You want to see Dallas? You want to see Phoenix? How are things going to go down today? We start things in the city of San Francisco. Say hello to Mike, who joins us. What's up, Mike? How are you?
4: What's up, guys? Yeah, to me, there's no question. Dallas, uh, even though Phoenix is struggling a little bit, I think they're just much more explosive. They're a much tougher matchup for the Warriors. Uh, Devin Booker is a load to deal with. Obviously, Aiden, he's always been trouble for the Warriors. And then they just got guys like Bridges, Cam Johnson. I just think they have a lot more weapons and firepower. Dallas is great. Luka's going to get his. But I just don't trust a Jalen Brunson, as good as they are in this series, uh, During Finney-Smith. Fin- 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 I think defensively, the Warriors will be able to lock those guys down a lot more right now with the Phoenixes. And let's face it, Curry just loves torching uh, CP3. That's one of the head to head battles he loves to dominate, going back to his uh, Clippers and-, and Rockets game. And I just think home court overall, fellas, is key. And I just think the Warriors that chase is a bigger factor. I think they're going to, I think Phoenix is a much tougher matchup on the road. So when you look at all those factors, I just feel like that would be an easier matchup for them. So hopefully these teams beat each other up, and and Luca goes off for one of those 40-point triple-doubles, and they play Dallas because, guys, if they play Dallas, I think he goes five. As great as Luca is, they'll probably get one. He can go off, like I said, for that 40-point I just don't think that firepower with Brunson and Finney-Smith and all the rest of uh, supporting cast is going to be enough against the Warriors. So there's no doubt in my mind, if you're a Warrior fan, you want Dallas to pull the upset because Phoenix, that's more of a toss-up series, and I could go seven, and, and I think Phoenix could win that series. But in my mind, there's pretty much a slim to none chance that Dallas can take four out of seven from the Warriors incoming and coming, winning game seven at Chase Center. So, a hey, group for the Mavs, and you want to stick it to Cuban, too, because that's another obnoxious guy. So, overall, hey, let's move for Dallas, and then uh, they'll make quick work of them uh, in the next uh, series there. Thanks, guys.
3: All right, Mark. Appreciate that, Mike. And I, I think Mike brought up an interesting point about the home court. I know that's been kind of a, a constant topic that the past couple of days, the the crowd, the energy at Chase Center, but whether or not it's, you know, like Roracle of old or if it's, you know, an empty stadium, they're 6-0 inside Chase Center. So, I mean, they have not lost there yet to this point in the playoffs. I think that there's something to that. They just simply feel more comfortable at home. And that definitely translates to me more also against a younger team like Dallas that, has proven that it kind of has some troubles on the road. I mean, even though they are pushing Phoenix to a seventh and final game, they have not won in Phoenix. In fact, they've been blown out all three of those games. So I, I do see where Mike's coming from. My, my only pushback there is, I mean, I, I don't know if 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 the Warriors are going to be able to overcome and just handle Dallas. Like I, I don't think that that, to me, is what's going to happen. Um, even though, I mean, Dallas was down 2 nothing in the series currently against Phoenix and stormed back to even and take back, you know, an, an advantage in the series. So to me, Mike is, he's got a couple of good points. I'm interested what you think about that as far as the home court advantage for the Warriors because statistically speaking, energy or not, they've had the best home crowd and the best home results so far in the NBA. Yeah, I
2: don't know if it's the best home crowd. The results certainly have been there. I would say this about game one. The reason the Warriors were able to take care of Memphis, if you think about it, was because they stole game one. It was the only win on the road for either team, right? And that was the difference with the Warriors winning that series. And I think that it was set up for Golden State because, if you recall, Memphis had to go seven games with Minnesota and then have the quick turnaround within 40 hours. They had to get ready to take on the Warriors in game one. Maybe they left some emotion motion on that floor against Minnesota, but they were a bit vulnerable. And the Warriors getting that one on the road really was the difference in this series. They flipped the script. Again, neither team won another game on the road. And as it relates to the Phoenix Suns, if the Suns have to go the distance, which they do, and they play game one in Phoenix, you're hoping that maybe their attention's a little divided. Maybe this team's not at full rest, which the Warriors clearly will be because they dispatched to Denver in similar fashion. So the Golden State Warriors would have that advantage and that that first game of the series is so significant should they play Phoenix and steal that first one because, listen, as we all know, that if you want to take care of the Phoenix Suns and you don't have home court advantage, you got to get that one on the road. And that first one is so pivotal.
3: Especially because Phoenix has no fear going on the road. We discussed this in the in the first segment, how Phoenix is the best road team in the NBA. And I, f- I think their road record might be up there as one of the best in NBA history. So this team has no problem going on the road, to your point, making game one all the more important to try and steal. And I, I think they can do it. Yeah. I think they can do it the way that they've been playing, especially with the, the amount of I know it's, it's kind of been a coin flip whether they show up with, with with physicality, with fervor, especially on the glass. But I don't think anyone expected the Golden State Warriors to out-rebound Memphis in the series, a team that is longer, that is younger, that is faster, that is bigger, and yet they found a way to do it. So despite there being some disadvantages for Golden State on paper, they have been able to overcome those, and like you mentioned earlier, it's because of their collective effort. It's not just about the Currys and the Pools. It's about the guys like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. It's about Draymond. It's about Clay. It's about whoever's coming off the bench, and specifically Kevon Looney giving them that bump. But I think it's it's going to take a lot for the Warriors to beat whoever Comes out of the series today between Phoenix and Dallas. I think it
2: have enough energy. I mean, you think about Denver wasn't easy, and then the drama with Memphis. That was fun, by the way. Uh, that that's why the playoffs coming back and and being in the mix. This is this is exactly what they missed, what we missed in doing shows like this with fans. But that was just, no matter how you how you chop that thing up, that was fun. But. It's taken its toll. I mean, this is not oh, like yeah. back in the day where they just pencil in the Golden State Warriors. Well, they the best team in the NBA. They'll be in the NBA Finals. There'll be some road bumps on the way there. But this is just an absolute, you know, get punched in the face and punch back. I mean, are
3: they going to have enough left in the tank? Should they get to the NBA Finals? that That's the question because as great as everyone is feeling and they're back in the Western Conference Finals and, you know, they're feeling good. They're the only team that's locked in in the West and they're waiting to see who they're going to play. They're halfway to the goal like they have won eight (laughs) games they need to win eight more to win a championship and they've already granted because of you know some extracurricular stuff lost a couple players on their team namely gary payton ii hopefully again Otto porter jr is healthy for the upcoming series but you're right like they've been worn down i mean if you look at that game six against memphis i think three out of the starting five played 40 plus minutes And looking ahead to the Western Conference Finals, which, granted, they'll have some rest in between now and Wednesday, but then it's going to be every other day. Mm. It's going to be Wednesday. Then it's going to be Friday. Then it's going to be Sunday. Then it's going to be Tuesday. And how often, or I should say, how much faith do you have in these Warriors to not break down? I think that's why you need to have everyone on the same page because right now, Stephen Curry, you know, over the course of the season, he averaged about 33, 34 minutes per game. He's going to have to play closer to 38 or 39 and he's going to be playing heavy taxing minutes. Like to me, this this playoff run so far for the Warriors is just a reminder of how difficult it is to win a championship. Like you were saying, they're not just going to cakewalk to the finals. They don't have guys that can shoot them into the banners. They have guys that can get you to the banners, but it is not going to be easy.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. It has been. It's been taxing on this basketball team, which is.
3: It's been taxing for us watching them.
2: Yeah, all the more reason, I think, getting rest and dispatching of teams and not going the full seven games like that of Memphis. This rest is pivotal to this basketball team. Before we continue, the text line somebody out there, and I remember this a little bit before my time even, but is Giddings related to Weatherman Pete Giddings? So back in the day, there was a Pete Giddings at ABC. That was part of a team, a local news team here in San Francisco, and Pete Giddings was the weather guy, I believe, and the, the he was like you know the stalwart here in the Bay Area. Are, are, is there any relations to the weather guy? I can wish- you get up in front of a a green screen and tell us whether we're going to have some cloud coverage, a storm front in the way there? Well, Ev?
3: I I can predict uh you know some. Some threes being hailed in on Wednesday. Whether it be down in the desert in Phoenix, there's going to be some rain <laughs> in the impending schedule there, and of course the fog coming over the Bay Area here over Chase Center. There's down to there's going to be some drizzle. There are going to be some threes rained in. But as far as my meteorology, I I, I can't tell you that I am related to the uh, apparently <laughs> famous Pete Giddings. yes yeah, this is the first time I've. I've so heard
2: him. my man Bry is filling us in here. He was there for 29 years. He won six Emmys. This is Pete Giddings. Who apparently was the weather guy here locally, but no relation to my man Evan Giddings. By the way, I used to do local news, as you know. I used to do local sports. Weather dudes were always weird. They're just <laughs> like these meteorologists, and they wanted to talk about storm fronts. And they would always have like their seal. I have the seal of approval. That was the big deal for them that they had this weatherman's seal or weather woman that they had to be certified. But I mean, really, who who gets into that sort of thing? You never wanted to do weather, Dan? Come on, man.
3: Come
2: on. I mean, why would I want to get in front of a green screen and tell you what the weather's going to be like? why? Why would that be my focus in life? It's difficult enough for me to what do you got Brian? You know what the easiest job in the world is
3: being a weatherman in San Diego, always sunny
2: or Hawaii <laughs> or Hawaii, it's going to be seventy five and beautiful. Does today. it
3: depend on the island, though? I mean, depending <laughs> on what side you're on the the rain can come in at that, any time. That, that's good knowledge, Ev. That's
2: very good Hawaiian knowledge. You know that we try and work in Hawaiian knowledge and spam Musubi as often as we can throughout the show. But, yes, it depends on there's a rainy side, obviously, Eva. Mm-hmm. Or there's the windward side, which gets a lot more cloud coverage. And you cross the poly, and all of a sudden you feel like you're in an entirely different city because there's a lot more rainfall. Just right.
3: channeling our inner Pete Giddings here. No relation, of course.
2: <laughs> the text line is also saying I miss Andrew Bogut. Same. You know, so here's the thing: is that, and also somebody was shouting out saying, you know, oh, you're going after Kavon Looney because do they need a big? Kevon Looney is that big? He's not. He's not a big in the in conventional sense. That he's still only what six nine, right? But I mean, a big is in terms of that proverbial 6'11", 7 foot center. And maybe, maybe Kavon is enough, and Otto Porter, and Draymond Green, and and that front line that you don't necessarily need to go get that guy that we've, we've talked about ad nauseum on this show, about where's the big, no James Weissman, where's the next Zsa, Zsa Pachulia, where's the Andrew Bogut? Uh, maybe there's, maybe it is right under our
3: nose this whole time, and it's Kavon. Well, Kavon is, I mean, he was the unsung hero of Game 6, and I would be remiss if it didn't give him the credit that he deserves for putting together a Herculean effort, considering the situation that the Warriors are in, and, you know, we're talking about front lines and bigs in this. It isn't that we're disrespecting Kevon Looney by not calling him a big. We're just saying that, like, let's say Kevon, he's probably going to start. If they play Phoenix, he'll be matched up on Aiden to start. He'll he'll be the fifth man. But what if Aiden gets him in early foul trouble? Like, who do the Warriors yeah. have off the bench that can come in and be a, a quote-unquote big? Right now, it's no one. Yeah. So it isn't that... We're trying to slander Kavon Looney, who I know our, our guy Brian has a lot of love for back there because he has been a, a dog so far in these playoffs. It's scary. He is, he's is he been the guy that, I mean, he just cleans up everything. And he kind of goes about his business. I know he's, he's 25, going on 45 looking. Is he 25? Yeah. 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 Wow. He is a, a young veteran. Let's, let's call it that. He's
2: a young Fred Sanford that could be such a thing.
3: <laughs> I mean, he he found a way to gobble up each and every rebound that the Warriors needed him to. You know, a, a huge reason why they won game six. I just, again, I don't know if he can be that guy for seven games. I mean, we saw him get played off the court in game five during that that 39-point beatdown because they just simply decided not to guard him. I assume that Phoenix or Dallas is going to try and find a way to go after him when Draymond here on the court when the Warriors are quote-unquote playing big because that's the biggest lineup they have to offer. That leaves you with only three shooters that you have to cover between the five guys. And so although I love what Kevon Looney brings to the table, there are certainly weaknesses that opponents can exploit when he's out there.
2: Yeah, no, there's no doubt. The other thing about Kevon Looney as well as Draymond, is that I'm not hating on Kavon. 22 rebounds, he's the reason they won. And I always say, go back and look at the tape when he got that flurry of rebounds. And the last one, he, his 21st rebound. And he kicks out to Klay Thompson. And he had absolutely nothing left in the tank. It's it, The effort was, he left it all out there. And the, it's just his attitude. Guy doesn't complain. You sit him down. You don't hear a peep out of this dude. He, he's the last guy in the world. It was the Warriors, you know, it was the players that actually lobbied for him to play. It wasn't Kavon. Kavon didn't knock on anybody's door and say, hey, listen, I, I need to get some run. I played the entire year. I've been your most consistent guy. No, it was Steph, if you believe the reports, as well as Draymond that went to Mike Brown and said, we need our guy. But the only problem with Kavon, as well as the bigs for the Golden State Warriors, is that unlike that of, of Ayton, unlike that of uh, Jokic, unlike that of some of the other bigs that they have to defend, is that they don't give you anything offensively. yeah. So it screws up spacing, right? Because you don't need to guard Kavon. You no. don't need to guard Draymond. And so I can now just clog the middle. And so as much as they give you
3: defensively, offensively, you know, it, it becomes a spacing issue with both guys. And that's why, to me, it's... Like, Kavon is, is a guy that you love to have on your team. I mean, he anyone in the NBA would want to go to war with Kavon Looney because he's going to do everything that you don't ask of him. Like, he's not a guy that you need to hype up before a game. His demeanor, he's he's steady Eddie the whole way. Like, yeah. he's exactly what you need in your foxhole. But to your point, like, they they struggle. When they struggle to make shots and Kevon Looney is on the court, that offense is is at some points unwatchable because you need to hit jump shots. And when the ball isn't going in, I think that Looney – because he isn't guarded as much, I think that that helps him a little bit in terms of rebounding because he's able to establish position underneath, and that's why he is such a good offensive rebounder, because he knows his one job out there is to set screens, play defense, and rebound the basketball. And he has grabbed his role by the horns. But against great teams, which at this point, you know, that that's all that's left in the playoffs, you need to play great. And so Kavon Looney did in game six against a Memphis team that, you know, had kind of just thrown everything at the Warriors. But I do not know, even if it's against the Mavericks, like he's going to be matched up with Dwight Powell. Um, You know, he's going to have to be on the outside. A guy like Bertans who comes off the bench, who stretches the floor. Like Kevon Looney is going to be out and about and not necessarily where he thrives, which is under the rim. So stylistically, Kevon Looney is at his best when other teams you know, kind of play big. When Steven Adams is out there, He's a, he is allowed to stay on the court. I don't know if Dallas or Phoenix is going to play small, or pardon me, big enough for Kavon Luted to be effective for the 25 to 30 minutes like he was in game six. Mm.
2: Good point, yeah. The other thing is, is that when you're talking about spacing and, and matchups make fights and matchups are where we're living at right now when it comes to the Western Conference Finals and the semifinals because that matchup, I'll get back to this. That's as bad as it gets for the Golden State Warriors. You can get through Memphis. Not that it's an easy path, but it's you're not going to face the sort of challenge that you had to deal with with Memphis, the length, and the athleticism. Memphis took a pound of flesh is what they did. No doubt. But the other thing, and the reason why it's a bad matchup is that, and I think when they stumbled on the fact that they could play Stephen Adams, it's for, that very, it's for that very fact of what it is that we're talking about is that... The Warriors don't have anybody that's a big that becomes an offensive threat. One of the reasons why Steven Adams wasn't, wasn't one of the reasons, essentially the reason why Steven Adams and their bigs were nullified against and why Minnesota was not a good matchup for Memphis, as bad as a matchup as Memphis is for the Warriors. Again, if this is all about matchups, Memphis did not match up well with Minnesota. And the, the reason is, is because their bigs, namely Carl Anthony Towns, could step outside and you had to run him off the line. Stephen Adams ain't going out there. No. Stephen Adams had no business being in that series. Meow. And so that's what was that? <laughs> but that's get I think back. Cat. That gets back to whatever it is that the Warriors, you know, when you don't have that offensive threat and getting back to not having to defend Kavan and not having to defend Draymond. Draymond, my man. Mm. I'm not talking about Guys don't feel like they have to run you off the line or get out and extend on your three-point shooting. They're giving you a 12-footer. You got, come on, man. Ev, you got to shoot that thing.
3: I don't. I, I don't want Draymond shooting that.
2: He he was good. He was six for 14, and yes, he was a little bit more aggressive. But I'm talking about those runners in the lane. Like that's. I mean, listen. I, I know I don't want him shooting threes. I don't even want him shooting a mid-range. But a, but a open 12-footer. You how can you call yourself an NBA player if you can't hit a 12-footer with nobody
3: guarding you? he you know and and he was good in the series i thought he was much more aggressive in game 6 obviously the 14 shots are indicative of that but he was to me he was at his best when he was driving to the rack like he he did his best to put pressure on the interior because as we saw in game 5 there was they were getting nothing at the rim and they actually i mean they really didn't get much at the rim the first three quarters of the game. I mean, let's not forget it was a one-point game going into the fourth, and the Warriors are able to extend. So it's not like they just you know breeze through Game Six against Memphis. They still had issues, but Draymond to me, I mean, he didn't make a three in the series, so no. he, he's proven that you can win without him shooting from distance. I think he's at his best when he's kind of in that you know free throw line area where he's dangerous enough to. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect him to make a floater. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my life on it. But if he does that, he at least forces the big to come out, and that's when those passing lanes underneath open up. So I do think he he needs to maybe take a few. But I don't necessarily, I don't need him to knock those down in order for for the Warriors to be successful. I just think he needs. <laughs> if you come down on an offensive set.
2: And you're trying the ball movement. You've got pin downs. you got backdoor screens. You're looking for cutters. You're trying to find that little crease, a little opening, especially against Memphis. And here's a guy wide open for a 12-footer. It's just – it doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. Like, just, you got to be able to shoot that and shoot it with some level of consistency. But Draymond was was good enough, and Draymond did what it is that he had to do in terms of you know bringing the energy – and of course, the defense and the rebounding and, and the personality. You give me a wrap, bro. All right, we got to get to a break. When we continue, I want to revisit Jordan Poole. I want to talk about the disappearing man and how this guy needs to be more consistent in the playoffs in order for the Golden State Warriors to advance to the NBA Finals. We'll do that and more. We'll also touch on the San Francisco Giants, who don't play until later this afternoon. They get blank last night by St. Louis. Evan Giddings, no relation to Pete and Dan Abone here on 95.7 of the game.